Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. My name is Dave Powers. For those of you that uh, we haven't met quite yet, um, I am... Just since the beginning of this year, I've kind of come in to partner. My nonprofit is doing a strategic kingdom partnership with Faith. And at first, it was going to be three months, then it was going to be six months, and now who knows how long it's going to be because I'm having so much fun hanging out with you. About tw- uh, close to 20 years ago, I was hanging out with a bunch of friends. I was working at this church on the north side of Denver. We were praying for revival several times a week for several hours at a time. Just saying, God, we are hungry for you. And during that time, this interesting thought occurred to me. We should gather people together for a time of worship and then just see what God does. So we started planning and preparing. And one night, about two in the morning, I woke up. I'm a fairly hard sleeper, and so that is a miracle all by itself, the fact that I woke up and had any kind of, like, normal thought. And I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, hey, I want you to let me talk to my people. Okay, what do you want me to say? He's like, no, no, I I don't really want you to say anything. I want to talk to my people. I really didn't understand what that meant. For a couple of weeks, I kind of chewed on that. And one day I was praying. I said, Lord, I don't understand like what you're going for. I understand the musical worship part, gathering people. I get that. But how do you want to speak to people? He responded this way. He said, well, how do I normally talk or most frequently talk to people? I said, through your word. He goes, then just read the Bible. I was like, that's it? I mean... (laughs) Can you imagine? I'm just like, that's all? Just read the Bible? I was like, but, you know, we want to break it down. We want to, like, help people get it and understand stuff. He goes, have you ever been reading and I spoke to your heart and helped you understand stuff? I said, well, yeah. He goes, can't you trust me to be God and do that for them too? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, I could probably do that. Okay. So that's what we did. We gathered together, three, 400 people from a variety of different churches came together. And we did, you know, 45 minutes of musical worship, something like that. And then I got a bunch of friends up on the stage and we read the Bible for about 45 minutes. At the end of that time, I had a band with me. Tara was with me. And I, st- I turned around. Everybody was like sitting in nice, neat rows, kind of like you are this morning. I turned around to build the music up, and we were singing that old Hillsong song. Um, Oh, let's see. It was, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. So we were kind of building up, and it was getting louder, and I turned around to lead And everybody that was previously sitting in nice little rows were all spread around the room, and some of them were on the ground, and some of them were draped over their chairs like used towels. And I was like, I didn't tell anybody to do this, you know? And then I had this incredible moment where I realized 
that what was happening up here was not the point. That Jesus was moving, on the move. And my buddy Dave was actually back by the sound booth. He had just slipped on his um, driveway and tore his rotator cuff. He came in with a sling in a lot of pain, had just gone to the doctor, I think got an MRI or some kind of scan on there, and it was, it was looking bad, surgery and all that. Well, my buddy Dave is back by the sound booth with his sling off going, ah, like this. And everybody was going like, what in the world is up with Dave? He, I later talked to him. He said that during the reading of the word, it was like honey or some warm thing was on his shoulder. And then he got more mobility and then he had full mobility. He went back to the doctor, got another scan. It looked like a brand new shoulder. I don't know how to explain that type of stuff. Except I got curious and I said, wait a minute. In those environments when you just read the word and you do what Psalm 138 says, which is exalt his name and his word above all. In that environment, somehow, God starts doing in the room and doing in our lives what the Bible says about itself. So let me give you an example. In Jeremiah chapter 1, it says that God watches over his word to perform it, like he's going to do his word. In Isaiah chapter 55, it says his word doesn't return to him void or empty. It accomplishes everything he sent it to do. In the book of Romans, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness so that the people of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Like if you want to be equipped for the work that God's called you and designed you to do, the word is what does it. The word equips you. In Psalm 103, it says angels do the word. Somehow, when you create environments like this, I don't know what your theology is on angels, but the Bible's pretty clear about its theology on angels. They're real, and they're doing stuff. And what they do is they do the word. It's pretty cool. So somehow, when we read the word and all that, angels are at work doing things. That's way cool. In Psalm 107, verse 20, though, it says, he sent his word and healed them. Do you remember this one? You sent your word and healed my disease. You are the Lord, my healer. You know me, I'm pulling out songs from the 80s. Oh, yeah. I love that stuff, man. We got some 80s fans in the room? Yes. He sends his word and healed them. And I think that's what happened to my buddy Dave. That night, God sent his word and healed Dave's shoulder. I don't know all the ins and outs of that. I just know that it happened. And that is way cool. So this morning... What we're going to do is we're going to align with what's happening across the street at Whole 40. And as we journey to the cross, I'm just going to read scripture and keep my opinions out of it. It's going to be opinion free. This might be the best sermon in Colorado this morning. No opinions. Are you kidding me? So here's what I want to invite you to do. 
This is going to be weird. You don't have to do this, but give it a shot. Take your hands, put them up on your kneecaps, and lean forward. Some of you are like, uh uh-uh, but try it, try it. It probably won't kill you. If it does, we'll pray for you. Now, open up your eyes like this and smile. What you're doing right now is maybe a physical expression for the word expectancy. It's where you're leaning forward going, God, whatever you want to do, I'm in. You want me to talk to somebody? Yeah, I'm in. Okay, you can relax. You're like, are we doing this the whole time? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to do this the whole time. The attitude of, of your heart that I want to invite you to step into is one of expectancy. Because this is good news. Jesus is about to talk to you. I can't guarantee you it's the word you want, but I can guarantee you will get a word from God. Because I'm just going to read the Bible. Another thing, you might want to take notes because God might speak something to you. Even through a story, he might something pop out, have something pop out. And a little tip, while I'm reading, sometimes, you know, during story time, we're going to do like story time with Uncle Dave. <laughs> Does that sound weird? It probably is. Um, we're going to do story time, and sometimes you can zone out during story time. If you catch yourself zoning out, just zone back in. It's okay. But do whatever it takes to be present so that you can hear from God. Because you do want to hear from God this morning, yes? I definitely do. So Lord, as we exalt your word, we remember that in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And in verse 14 of that same chapter, the word became flesh and lived with us, full of grace, full of truth. Jesus, you are the word. This isn't just ancient religious activity. This is an opportunity to build friendship with you. If you would speak to us, whether through the text, or if you just want to speak to us in our hearts, If you want to bring something up like, hey, you need to forgive this person. We'll do it. Let's take a journey toward the cross together. I'm reading out of Mark chapter 14. It was now two days before the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The leading priests and the teachers of the religious law were actually looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But they said, we can't do it during the Passover celebration because people will probably riot. Now, while they were scheming this stuff, Jesus is in this town called Bethany at the home of Simon. He's a man who had previously had leprosy. And while Jesus was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume all over his head. And some of the people at the table got really angry and indignant. (laughs) They were like, 
Why are you wasting this expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money could have been given to the poor. And they scolded her harshly. And then Jesus piped up. He replied, he said, hey, leave her alone. Why are you criticizing her for doing a good thing to me? You'll always have the poor with you. And you can help them whenever you want to. But you won't always have me. She's done what she could and she anointed my body for burial ahead of time. So I'm telling you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. And here we are 2,000 years talking about it, 2,000 years later. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priests and he tried to arrange betraying Jesus to them. And they were delighted when they heard that. They promised to give him money to betray Jesus. So Judas started looking for an opportunity to betray him. Now, on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, he said, they said, hey, where do you want us to go and prepare the Passover meal for you? So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. He said, go into the city, and a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. And the house that he enters, say to the owner, hey, the uh, teacher asks, where's the guest room that I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He'll take you upstairs to a large room. It's already set up, and that's where you can prepare our meal. So the two disciples went into the city, and they found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. And in the evening, Jesus arrived with his friends, the twelve. As they were at the table eating, Jesus said to them, oh, okay, so they're just like having a meal. Jesus does a hard left turn here. He says, I'm telling you the truth. One of you that's eating with me here tonight is going to betray me. Well, everybody started freaking out. They got greatly distressed and they said, they started looking at each other going like, is it me? He replied, it's one of you of my 12 friends who's eating from this bowl with me. For the son of man must die as the scriptures declared a long time ago. But how terrible it is for the one who betrays me. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Okay, that's heavy. That's super heavy. It's in that environment, as they were eating, that Jesus reached over, took some bread, and broke it into pieces. Can you imagine the tension in the room? Like Judas knew it was him. Nobody else knew it was him. They were all asking, is it going to be me? And it's in that environment that Jesus institutes something that we still practice today, communion. He gave it to his disciples and he said, take it, it's my body. And then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and, he, and they all drank from it. And he said, this is my blood. It represents my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice 
for many. I tell you the truth, I won't drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then they sang a hymn and went to the Mount of Olives. What hymn do you think they sang? Great is thy faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. I don't know what hymn they sang. So on the way up, Jesus keeps the heavy conversation going. And he said, as they're walking over to the Mount of Olives, he said, hey, all of you guys are going to desert me. The scripture says, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after he tells them, listen to this. This is God's word to you this morning. After I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. I'll meet you there. He tells them exactly what's going to happen. Well, then Peter pipes up. He was like, even if everyone deserts you, I never will. And Jesus goes, you know, I'll tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows two times, you'll deny me three times that you ever even knew me. Peter said, no. I mean, declared it emphatically. No, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same exact thing. So they went up to this olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, hey, you guys sit here while I go and pray. But he took Jesus, uh, Peter, James, and John with him. And as he walked, he be Jesus became deeply troubled and distressed. And he told him, my soul feels crushed with grief to the point of death. Can you just stay here and be with me? Keep watch with me. So he went a little bit further and he fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. And he said, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Then Jesus returned and found his three buddies sleeping. He woke him up. He said, Simon, are you asleep? Can you just be with me for an hour? Keep watch and pray so you don't give in to temptation. I know your spirit is willing. I just know that your body's weak. So then Jesus left them again and he prayed the same exact prayer as he had before. Father, I know everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet not what I will to be done, what you will. 
And he returned back to him a third time. And he said, ah, just go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. Oh, but no. The time has come. Picture this. Use your imagination. Lean in. He's sitting there with his buddies. It's dark. Olive trees all around. He's literally crying his eyes out. And then he keeps submitting his will to the Father. He's like, not what I want, but what you want. In another book of the Bible, it talks, he was so stressed out, he was sweating blood. That is stressed. And his buddies aren't there with him. Right then, he's just telling them, you know what? Go ahead, you can sleep. You could probably use the rest. And then he goes, but no. You know why? Maybe he saw a glow coming up from the other side of the garden. A crowd of people with like swords and clubs and stuff. He goes, no. The time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Let's get up. Let's get going. Look, my betrayer is here. Everybody take a nice, big, deep breath if you want to. And then hope the person next to you has good breath. Oof. Immediately, even as Jesus was saying this, Judas, one of the disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They'd been sent out by the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law and the elders. And the traitor, Judas, had given them this prearranged signal. He said, you'll know the one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. That's where we get the phrase, the kiss of death. Then you can take him under guard. And so as soon as they arrived, Jesus, or, uh, Judas walked up to Jesus and said, Rabbi, gave him a kiss. And the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of Jesus' buddies pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave in the ear and slashed it off. In another book, I'm reading in the book of Mark, but in another book, Jesus actually reaches down, grabs this dude's ear, puts it right back on his head, and heals him in front of everybody. But I have to read you what it says in the book of John. Are you ready? Are you with me? Everybody doing okay? Yes? Book of John, chapter 18, it says this. Jesus fully realized what was about to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet Judas and this crowd. And he asked them a question. Who are you looking for? Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. And he said, I am he. Well, for those of you that are like Bible nerds, that phrase, I am, is a big deal. He was saying in that moment, moment, I am God. Look what happened to these guys. He goes, I am he. And Jesus said this to him. As soon as they did, they drew back and fell on the ground. Like, could you imagine the authority that was happening there spiritually, but also just the authority that Jesus was walking in? He was like, hey, who are you guys looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. He goes, I am he. And they were like, and they fell over. I mean, you got clubs and swords in your hand. Now you're on the ground shaking. 
You thought you had the upper hand, you thought you had everything that you need, and now you're quivering on the ground, sword not in hand. They're like, uh, so they start grabbing their stuff, they get back up, and he says the exact same thing. He said, who are you looking for? And again, they said, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, maybe? He said, I told you, I am he. And this is beautiful. One of the reasons why he exercised such great authority in that moment to the degree that their bodies crumpled when he said those words. Jesus said, since I'm the one you want, let these guys go. He's keeping his buddies safe. It's amazing. He did this to fulfill his own statement. He said, I didn't lose a single one of those you gave me, Father. So Jesus asked them. He asked these guys with clubs and swords that just got off the ground and probably shaking like a leaf. He said, what am I, some kind of dangerous criminal? You come out here with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was among you every single day. But these things are happening to fulfill what the scriptures say about me. Then all the disciples deserted him, just like he told them to, on the, or he said they were going to on the way up. They ran away. There's this one guy following behind, and he had this, he was clothed in a long linen shirt. And the mob tried to grab him. He slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked into the darkness. So they took Jesus to the high priest's home. This is the word of the Lord to you. Lean in. They took Jesus to the high priest's home, where the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of the religious law had gathered. And meanwhile, Peter had followed him at a distance and went right to the high priest's courtyard, where he sat with guards, kind of warming himself up by the fire. Inside, the leading priests and the entire council were there trying to find evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death but they couldn't find any. Many false witnesses spoke up against Jesus, but they all contradicted each other. And finally, some men stood up and gave this false testimony. They said, oh yeah, we heard him say, uh, I'll destroy the temple made of human hands, and in three days, I'm gonna build another one made without human hands. But even that, they couldn't get their story straight. Then the high priest stood up before the others and he asked Jesus, aren't you gonna answer any of these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? And Jesus was silent, didn't reply. Then the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah? Point blank, are you the Messiah? The son of the blessed one. And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the son of man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes off to show his horror and said, why do we need any other witnesses? We've heard all of his blasphemy, so what's your verdict? He like pointed to these guys and said, what's your verdict? And all of them shouted, guilty. He deserves to die. In that culture, you claim to be God. That's a big deal. They want to kill you for that. Right then, it gets Super crazy. Listen to this. Right then, some people started spitting on him. You ever been spit on? 
You ever been spit on in the face? There's almost nothing will make your blood boil faster than getting spit on. They're spitting on him. They blindfold him, start beating him with their fists. And they were like, prophesy to us. And they were slapping him around as they led him away. And while this is happening, Peter's out in the courtyard below. And one of the servant girls who walked for the high, or worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself there at the fire. She looked at him closely and said, Hey, aren't you one of those guys, Jesus from Nazareth? But Peter denied it. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he moved and went into the entryway. Just then, a rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling the others, this man is definitely one of Jesus' disciples. But Peter denied it again. And a little while later, some of the bystanders confronted Peter and they said, you have to be one of these guys. You're a Galilean. And Peter swore. Listen to what he said. He said, may a curse be on me if I'm lying. He was freaked out. He was panicking. You ever been freaked out, panicked, and said something that was really dumb? Show of hands. Everybody in the room, yeah, for sure. He said, a curse be on me if I'm lying. I don't know this guy that you're talking about. And immediately, the rooster crowed a second time. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times that you ever even knew me. And Peter just broke down and wept. Now, very early in the morning, the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of the religious law, the entire high council met to discuss their next step. They bound Jesus and led him away, and they took him to Pilate. He was the Roman governor. Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, you said it. Then the leading priests kept accusing him of many crimes, and Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer these guys? What about all these charges that they're bringing against you? Jesus said nothing, which really surprised Pilate. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone the people requested. And one of the prisoners at the time, his name was Barabbas. He was a revolutionary or a criminal who actually committed murder in an uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. And Pilate said, would you like me to release this king of the Jews to you? Because he started realizing by now that the high priests had arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. And Pilate asked him, then what should I do with this man that you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, crucify him. He said, why? What crime has he committed? The mob roared even louder, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. 
and turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. The soldiers took Jesus into this courtyard of the governor's headquarters. It's called the Praetorium. Everybody doing okay? This is the word of the Lord. And they called out the entire regiment. They dressed Jesus in a purple robe. They wove thorn branches into a crown and they put it on his head. Then they saluted him and taunted him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him on the head with a reed stick. Does anybody get instantaneously angry when you get hit in the head with something? When was the last time you hit your head? It's like, oh, and, and you know, all these words come up into your mind, don't they? Am I the only one? Getting hit in the head just makes me angry immediately. They were taking a rod, a stick, whacking him on the head with it. They kept spitting on him and dropped to their knees and started mock worshiping him. And then finally, when they got tired of that, they took off the purple robe, they put on his own clothes on him again, they led him away to be crucified. And this guy that was walking down the road, his name was Simon, he was from this town called Cyrene. He was coming in from the countryside just then and the, the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. They offered him wine that was drugged with myrrh, but Jesus refused it. Then the soldiers nailed him up on the cross and they divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. They they gambled for his clothes. It's about nine o'clock that morning when they crucified him. A sign announced the charge against him. It read above him, the king of the Jews. And two criminals were crucified with him, one on his right, one on his left. And the people passing by shouted abuse at him, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha, look at you now, they said. You said you're going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, then save yourself. Come on down here from the cross. The leading priests and the teachers of the religious law also mocked him. He saved others, they scoffed. Oh, he can't save himself now? Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. Three hours of that. At noon, a darkness fell on the whole land until three o'clock in the afternoon. This is six hours. And at three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and he said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And some of the bystanders actually misunderstood what he was saying. And they thought that he was calling to the prophet Elijah. So one of them ran and filled a sponge with some sour wine, holding it up to him as kind of a pain reliever on a reed stick so he could drink. And another one said, wait, let's see if Elijah comes and takes him down. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. 
breath. At that moment, the curtain, which is a big, thick curtain, in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, from top to bottom. When the Roman officer who was facing Jesus saw how he died, he looked around and said, whoa, truly this man was the son of God. I don't know what happened there, but something made him go from mocking to worship. Some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and of Joseph and Salome. They'd been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. And many other women had come with him to Jerusalem that were also there. This all happened on a Friday, which is the preparation day before the Sabbath. As evening approached, Joseph, this guy named Joseph of Arimathea, he took a risk. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Joseph was actually this honored member of the high council, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead, so he called the Roman officer, and he asked him if Jesus was dead yet, and the officer confirmed that Jesus was dead. So Pilate told Joseph he could have his body. So Joseph went out, bought a long sheet of linen cloth, and he took down Jesus' body from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth, and laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance and Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus' body was laid. Now, I'm gonna read you something that was written six or 700 years before this writing. Six or seven hundred years. Everybody remember the story so far? You guys doing okay? Yes? It says in Isaiah chapter 53, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. This is a prophetic declaration six or seven hundred years before this happened. Listen to these words. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we didn't care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. It was a punishment for our sins. He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. And all of us like sheep have gone astray. We've left God's path to follow our own way. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. He was like a lamb led to the slaughter. Like a sheep is silent before its shears. He didn't even open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. And no one cared that he died without descendants, 
and that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of people. He had done no wrong, never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal, buried in a rich man's grave. It was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants look around the room. For those of us that follow Jesus, we are the descendants of Jesus. He may have died without descendants on this earth and his life might have been cut short in midstream. But now, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he is satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous and he'll bear all their sins. I'll give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. And he counted he was counted among the criminals, but he bore the sins of many, and he prayed for criminals. I could go on and on and on reading about the cross. Absolutely amazing content. I literally have like five more pages of things that I could read to you. And that's not even scratching the surface. But here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if for some of you, something is stirring in your heart right now. I'm wondering if some of you might be sensing a desire to start following Jesus and his teachings after hearing this. And if that's something that you want to do, it requires humility. It requires that you relinquish control of your life to Jesus. So this morning, God is actually, I don't know how you got here or if you're online or whatever, but God is offering each of us a gift in the room. He wants to bring you to himself through Jesus. So as an ambassador of Jesus, God is making an appeal to you through me right now. I'm speaking to you on Jesus' behalf and I'm inviting you this morning to come back to God. God made Jesus who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be right with him. If that's something that you wanna do, or if you wanna learn more about this type of thing, I'm gonna do something a little bit uh, out of the box that I don't normally do. But if you're being stirred, like I actually would like to surrender control of my life to this Jesus and follow his teachings, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up. Super weird. It's awkward. Yes. Others? Like if something is stirring in you. Yeah. Others? Yeah, I see it. Others, 
Yes, ma'am. Others? Yeah. Others? Yes, ma'am. Others? Maybe this is a situation, this is kind of like, maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you're, you've been following Jesus in the past, but you got off course. You've been running. And maybe there's something stirring in your heart that's like, I got to come back home. Maybe somebody is flashing in your mind right now, a face of a family member or a friend that you know Jesus is calling back home. But if that's you, if you're like, yeah, I have followed Jesus in the past, but I've been running and it's time for me to come back home. I'm gonna ask you to do that same awkward thing. If that's you, would you be so bold to lift up your hand? Yes, ma'am. Others. Yes. See. Others. It's beautiful. If you want to kind of get back into alignment with Jesus, it's pretty straightforward. Like I said, you humble yourself, so I'll coach you through it. Maybe all of us can pray this. It's always good to humble ourselves before God. If you'd repeat after me, Jesus, I humble myself before you. I'm gonna give you control of my life. I have made an absolute mess. And I need you. Will you forgive me for the garbage that I've done? The times that I've broken your heart, the times when I've lied and stolen, <laughs> deceived, the times that I've medicated my pain in a way that's harmed my body, or harmed others? Will you forgive me? I want to follow your teachings and I want to come home. Jesus, you heard uh, the hearts that meant it, you know? We ask that you would meet us. And for those of you that said, will you forgive me? And you're wondering if God does. On his behalf, I'll just tell you, you're forgiven. It's a promise. And you're forgiven. If this morning you made a decision to follow Jesus, or just like to come back into alignment with him because you've been running. 
I'd really love to talk with you, meet you. I'm not the only one. There's some other pastors on staff and people that love to pray. They're going to be hanging out up here. I know it's awkward to come up here, but it probably won't kill you. It'd be really good to meet you. Another way that you can let us know what's going on with you is there's this QR code up here. You can just grab your phone, take a picture of it, tell us what happened with you so we can follow up, shoot you a call or an email, and hear your story. It'd be an honor to hear your story. Last thing I'd like to offer before I bless you is that if you need prayer for something, if your marriage has fallen apart, if you're stuck in a repetitive, addictive pattern, you can't get out. If you're full of anxiety, struggling with depression, if you've got things hidden in a shadow, If there's one of your kids or grandkids that are making weird decisions and you'd like some prayer, we'd love to pray with you. If you're going through some difficult things financially and you'd like some prayer, we'd love to pray with you for that. If there's some weird stuff happening in your body, we'd love to pray for you. And so there'll be people up here in the front and I'll be up here too if you'd like prayer. This is why we sing. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus Christ my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. I'm going to speak a blessing over you if you'd like to. You can open up your hands like this. You don't have to, but you're welcome to. And with the blessing that my dad has been speaking over me multiple times a week, if not every day since I was 12, I bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you empowering you with the Holy Spirit so you can just be who he made you to be and do what he made you to do. May his presence be with you and may he give you his peace. Peace I speak over your past. I speak and declare peace into your present, into this moment. And I speak peace over your future, over your relationships, over your body, over your finances. Peace to you. From the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, bless you. In Jesus' name, can you join me and say amen? Amen. Amen. amen.